And welcome to Beckles Baptist Church, our 11.15 service meeting in the building and online as well. Great that you could join us on the live stream. Uh, let me introduce myself uh, to those of you who don't know me. My name is Peter Skerritt, the assistant pastor here, and it's lovely to have you with us. Uh, a bit later on in our service, uh, Tom Fenning, our pastor, uh, will be preaching from the Book of Romans for us. Uh, as each week, we're just going to go around and just say hello to everybody in the building so we know who's here. And for you watching online, you get a sense of uh, who's here in the, in the church building right now. So um, Doug being uh, serenading us on their guitar this morning. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Barry and Linda, lovely to have you with us. Josh and Eric. Uh, Teresa and Jane, hello. Uh, back on the desk, got Matthew and Nick holding things together. Sarah, great to have you back with us. Welcome. Um, Morris, nice to have you. Tom, is going to be preaching for us later. Theo, back in the building for the first time as well. Great to have you. Kevin and Nikki. Kev, I hope you had a good week away walking. Uh, Paul and Jane, um, uh, we've got uh, Julie and Alan. You've been with us the past few weeks. It's great to have you with us in the morning. Uh, Justin, Tom, and Rebecca. And Jerry, uh, you've come along a fair few times recently, haven't you, as well? And Jackie, nice to have you with us. And uh, through the back, we had Roger and Jill welcoming everyone as well. Not to mention, well, not to forget, that we also have lots of children who aren't here right now, who are upstairs uh, in our Sunday school and creche as well. Uh, to start our service, we're going to read some words from Ephesians chapter 4. This is from the Apostle Paul. He's in prison, and he's writing to a church. And he spent three chapters extolling all the great things that God has in store and all the things he's done for his people. And he says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Definitely words for this time when we can't be with each other as we would like to be. It's a prayer for unity based on what God has done for us. Let me pray uh, for our time, uh, for you at home, and for Tom as he preaches. Let's pray. Father, we, we ask that today, by your Spirit, you would make us so aware of the calling which you have given us, what you have done for us in Christ, those boundless riches that we have in him, as he has made us one man, one body, one family, I want to thank you for that. We pray you would open our eyes so that in this brief time we have today, please still our hearts as we listen to you. Give us a willingness to hear. And Father, would we enjoy hearing from you today? We pray that too for those in Sunday school. Thank you for the leaders there giving up their time. And we pray that for leader and children alike, it would be a time where they feel settled and comfortable and safe. Uh, but also glad to be with each other and to learn of Jesus together. Pray that you might enable Tom, especially today, uh, to show us uh, that calling, that gift that we have received in the Lord Jesus. We ask that for his glory. Amen. We're going to turn to Romans chapter 5 now as we pick back up in a series that we um, started last, uh, last autumn. Seems a long time ago, doesn't it? Uh, do pick up your copy of God's Word, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. Tom's going to read for us and then preach. It's great to be with you. Um, 
And it's great to be back in the book of Romans um, there, seeing what God has to say to us. Um, if you're one of the church Bibles, we're handing these out now. We're quarantining them between one Sunday and the next, but they're available as you come in. If you're with me in a church Bible, page 1132, Romans chapter 5. We're going to start at verse 1, and this comes just after Paul has been talking about how Abraham is the example of faith, the man who trusts in God. And chapter 4 ends with this glorious verse, speaking of the Lord Jesus. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Then this is what we read in Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more? shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is God's word to us this morning. And if you've got a Bible open in front of you, do keep it open, please. Um, and we'll see what God has to say to us here. Pie in the sky when you die. I wonder if you've heard the ditty. Pie in the sky when you die. It, it's, a, it's a knocking jibe that's pointed in the direction, especially of Christians, that all you're holding out hope for is uh, the make-believe blessing in the future that you're, you're pining for, but makes no earthly difference in how you live your life today. Pie in the sky when you die. It's what stands behind Karl Marx's reference to religion being the opiate of the masses. It makes no difference in today. It's all about hanging on for something that's not coming in the future. Uh, to this, I want to say a couple of things. Well, first up, that... The future for someone who trusts in the Lord Jesus is a million miles from make-believe. It is instead rock-solid reality, and it is coming to us a day at a time. And one day will be writ large when Jesus returns. And if we could describe what's coming as a piece of pie, it would be the best piece of pie mankind has ever known. In fact, we couldn't even start to conceive of how mouth-wateringly awesome that pie would be. But the other thing to note is that the suggestion that Believing in the Lord Jesus is just pie in the sky when you die, just, just about the future, is way short of what the, the scriptures say. 
Because actually, there are enormous blessings that are ours today in the present. So pie in the sky when you die. Yeah, great pie. But even better, steak on the plate while you wait. Or if you don't like steak, cake on the plate while you wait. Your choice. And what I want to do today is I want to demonstrate to you, as we look at this passage, exactly how much the Lord Jesus gives to you today in the present. Exactly how much steak or cake is there on your plate while you wait. And if I do my job, and if God is merciful to us today as we look at the scriptures, so to open our eyes and to open our hearts, we will leave here with a song in our hearts and steel in our bones for the journey that lies ahead. And for one, I just feel, as I've looked at this passage this week, these are necessary, timely words for us today. I doubt that I'm the only one who feels that the continued restrictions we're in the midst of, which we understand because of the coronavirus, I am wearied by them. They are suffocating, they are draining. I've had enough. But God wants to say to you, if you love the Lord Jesus, have a look at your plate. And do you see how much steak or cake, or both, is there today? And there is masses that should fill our hearts with joy and should steal us for the struggles that we're in the midst of. Now, before we go too much further, we need to get one thing crystal clear. In talking about steak or cake on your plate while you wait, for whom are these blessings? Are they for everybody? No. They are instead for a group of people outlined and identified in verse 1. Look down with me to verse 1. Never looked in a Bible before. The verses, they are indicated by the little numbers. The chapters, there by the big numbers. So right by big number 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. What lies on the plate... Is for people who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus and who have now been declared in the right with him. Not because of what we have done, but because of Jesus' saving work on our behalf. And so if you're sat here today, and I know there's lots of us, both in the building and tuning in online too, who know and love the Lord Jesus, my hope is that today we will be really encouraged by just how much steak and cake there is on our plate. And there will be people, maybe in the room, online, tuning in, who wouldn't know and love the Lord Jesus. Well, can I say for you, what is described in this passage isn't so much on your plate, but it is on the menu. And I would say it could be yours, if you'd have put your faith in the Lord Jesus. If. So I hope as we work our way through this passage, you will see why... Loving the Lord Jesus is not just pie in the sky when you die. It is cake and steak on your plate while you wait. We're going to look at this uh, in six parts. Um, I'm trying to be snappy today, so I'm giving myself six headings. We might run out of time, in which case we'll just bin one of the headings. We'll see how we go. We managed to get through at the 9.15 service. Here's the first piece of cake or steak. Peace with God. Peace with God. Have a look at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans makes abundantly plain that everything that we have done outside of God's intervention in our lives is an act of war 
uh, provokes enmity between us and God. Sin is a demonstration of hostility, waving our fists in God's face that invites his right condemnation. Romans makes it plain that we, without the Lord Jesus, stand condemned and knowing God's hostility on our sin. And yet the glorious good news of the gospel announces wonderfully clearly to us that God has headed off our hostility and paved the path of peace for us to walk hand in hand with him through his son, the Lord Jesus, and his death in our place. Now, the English language, as we hear this word peace and English culture, really only conveys half the meaning of what stands behind this word that we find in the Bible. Because it, we understand it as an absence of something, an absence of war. That's what peace is. And it certainly is, but that's not the whole story. But in Bible understanding, in God's economy, peace doesn't just mean an absence of war, but a presence of harmony, bliss, and blessing. To live with peace with God is to enjoy life in his presence and under his favor. Absence of war, presence of blessing. And it is just the most amazing thing. Did you jump out of bed grateful that this is yours today? Did you jump out of bed grateful that this is on your plate today? It should put a skip in your step. A little echo of this picture of bliss as peace it is seen in a TV series I love called The Band of Brothers. It tells of the exploits of Easy Company of the 101st Airborne Division of the US Army in World War II. The very last episode of the TV series was filmed once war had ceased. And it begins with this stunning scene set in an alpine backdrop, mountains in the background, crystal clear blue lake in the foreground. And Captain Winters, the hero of the TV series, walking along a jetty and then diving in the lake and swimming. Cloudless sky. Amazing. It looks much more like the happy harmony of a holiday than the harrowing horrors of war. Absence of hostility, but come blessing, pictured in an alpine scene. And here is just the tiniest echo of what it means to be under God's peace. The happy harmony of holiday, of knowing his favour and his goodness. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus today, how good it is that you're no longer facing the hostility of God. Now you get to live under his smile and on the receiving end of his blessing every single day. You're taking note of what is on your plate. We live in a world that is often devoid of peace. People are hurrying from one thing to the next. They are harassed by worries. They are harried by broken relationships. But those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus enjoy the peace that surpasses understanding and helps us make our way through all the things that do give us anxiety and struggle and strife. We have an anchor for the soul. We have steak and cake on our plate while we wait. Peace with God. Does it make you smile? Does it make you want to sing? Second piece of steak or cake on our plates. Standing. In God's grace, standing in God's grace. Uh, if you know much of the Old Testament, the bit of the Bible before the Lord Jesus, you'll know that centerpiece in the capital of Israel is the temple. 
Uh, The temple was a monument of God's presence amongst his people, but it was built in a way that says you can't come any closer. At the very epicenter of the temple was the Holy of Holies, in which God's presence was said to especially dwell. Do you know how many people could go in there? One man from the people, the high priest. How often? One day a year, and not without an abundance of sacrifice for the people and for him. But when the Lord Jesus dies upon a cross, the most glorious piece of divine vandalism that has ever been carried out is carried out on the temple. And the curtain that acts as a barrier to say, you can't come in where God is. No access is torn in two from top to bottom. So deep and awesome is the peace that Jesus has won for his people that now access is granted. But do you see the measure of access that is granted in verse 2? Through Jesus, we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. A believer in the Lord Jesus isn't allowed just a, a little bit of time in God's presence and then has to hurry away, nor do they just get simply to cower in his presence. They get to stand in his presence. So fully orders his grace towards them that they get to stand there. Old Testament believers wouldn't be able to believe it, I don't think. But that is what our privilege is. That's our piece of steak and cake on our plate while we wait. When I was at school, the best representation of the Holy of Holies on the school premises was undoubtedly the staff room. The kitchen was probably close behind it, but the staff room was a place of no access for students. The best you could do is go up to the door going into the staff room and plead to see a member of staff. And should they deign you worthy, they would come out and chat with you. And then one day... Mrs. Boyle, my German teacher, co-opted me and a mate and said, right, I need your help to carry something in to the staff room. And it was with a sense of trepidation and dread that we came to the threshold of this holy place and, and dared to put our foot across the threshold and walk into the room. But we were able to go in. We were able to stand there. Why? Because of the presence of our teacher. She was the one who secured our peace. She was the one who permitted us there. We could stand because we were under her grace and invitation. The sense of trepidation I had going into the staff room is nothing for what we should feel going into God's presence. He is holy and awesome. And yet this passage says you don't just get to go into his presence. You can stand up as a child who is dearly loved and who knows God's peace. Why? Because of who is keeping you company. The Lord Jesus Christ is at your side meaning you can now stand in God's presence. This has enormous implications for us as people privileged to come and to talk to God in prayer. He bids us come, not just with a sense of, um, I've got to prove myself because I've been pardoned, not with a kind of measure of precariousness about my position because Jesus has secured my peace. I can be there. And God says, tell me what's on your heart. You weary and struggling, talk to me. You happy and grateful, talk to me. You've seen the steak and cake on your plate while you wait. That awesome, awesome grace of access to God and to stand in his presence. And God's grace towards us is not time limited. Actually, it endures forever and it gives way to our next heading. It gives way to hope. 
So he's heading three, a glorious and certain hope. Glorious and certain hope. Look down to verse 2. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. As ever, when we stumble across the word hope, we need to clarify, don't we, that the, the hope that is in the Bible is nothing like the way that people use the concept of hope in our world. In our world, hope is a, a shaky, a wobbly, an uncertain thing, best pictured by, by a jelly. Put it under any pressure, it goes everywhere, splits in two. But the hope for a believer is like a rock, not a jelly. You can place it under any amount of pressure. And it will not split. Because our hope is a certainty. It is a confidence. It is a reality. And what is this hope? It is the hope of the glory of God. Code for all of God's goodness, greatness and grace. We see it wonderfully in the person of the Lord Jesus. His greatness, goodness and grace walking around. And it is what we will experience for all of eternity if our faith is in the Lord Jesus. All of his goodness, grace and his goodness, is what lies ahead of us. And so we boast in it. It is ours. It is ours. And this hope is so colossal, so rock-like, so amazing, that it turns our perception of suffering that we get from the world on its head. Do you see how it's talked about in verse 3? Not only so, but we also glory. Now, that word glory is the same word in the original as boast. It can also be translated take pride in or even rejoice in. Not only so, but we also boast, glory, take pride in, rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. Now, this is a million miles away from how Many people in our world will respond to suffering. People respond to it with a sense of bitterness, complaining, putting a brave face on it, trying to ignore that it is there. Certainly not boasting, no way rejoicing, taking pride in it. This is totally different. How is it possible? Well, because of that glorious certain hope that lies ahead of us, we can look on our suffering in the present with boasting, not because we take delight in the pain itself. There's not perverted sense of that. Instead, it is going, well, if God's going to secure my future, he'll help me in the present, in the midst of this suffering, to enlarge my desire for what lies ahead and to transform and change my character, to make me more like the Lord Jesus. Now, a little echo of this in the realm of the sports field. Anyone who's been part of a sports team or coached People in a sports team will know that um, a good coach will expose you to a measure of pain, suffering, difficulty. The best rugby coach I ever had at school was a guy called Tomo. He's a guy who had a few years later left school, gone to uni. He was on the verge of professional rugby, but then a bad injury meant that that couldn't happen. And he came and trained us. And boy, was training hard. Your body ached, your legs burned at the end of a training session. And yet this training session, week after week, do you know what it did? It grew our perseverance, deepened our character, and grew us with an ever-growing sense of confidence we're going to win the game the next week. And invariably, we did. We won the vast majority of games because we, we had a skillful, loving coach who actually knew what it was to allow us 
to feel pain in order that there would be gain. A million times more is that true with the Lord Jesus. And the reality is we live in a world where suffering is coming our way. A number of us here are painfully aware of that today. A number of us. But the great news is that God God is not stumped by our suffering, but he's able to use our suffering to do what? To deepen our perseverance, develop our character, and to help us have a deeper longing for the hope that lies ahead of us. We can even boast in our sufferings because the God of heaven will put them to good use. So to make us more like the Lord Jesus and to fix a steady gaze on the hope that is to come. Those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus have a glorious hope that reorients how we understand our suffering. Here is another piece of cake or steak on your plate while you wait. Our next heading is another reason why we can trust God in our suffering. Because the next piece of cake or steak is the enjoyment of God's love. Look at verse 5 with me. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the very first verse we find in Romans mentioning love. And what a verse it is because it says that there is such an overflow of love from God that he pours that love into our hearts by his Spirit. And note that he doesn't just pour it into our heads so that we understand it. He pours it into our hearts so that we feel it and we love it. Isn't that amazing? That God not just has loved you in the past, he's now at work in the present to help you feel and be moved by his love. How does he do it? Well, he does it by calling our gaze to what he has done in his son, the Lord Jesus. So so much so that when we see Jesus' death for us in the past, we don't just go, Jesus died. So Jesus died for me. We see ourselves as part of the story, written into the account. So look down with me to verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Do you see what these verses are saying? They're saying the very epitome of human love, the best it ever gets to, is to be willing to lay down your life for a friend, for a deserving person. That is the very peak of human love. That's what verses 5 and 6 are saying. How fundamentally and awesomely different is the love of God. Verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's love is revealed that Jesus laid down his life when you deserved it not one bit. You had not earned it in one ounce. You hadn't asked for it with one squeak. And yet God the Father said, I will send my son for my enemies. God the Son said, I will go to make our enemies our friends. There's a delightful echo, faint echo, of this love of God for his enemies. In the story of a man called Peter Miller, he was a pastor uh, during the Revolutionary War in America. Uh, Miller lived near a man who hated him really intensely for his love for the Lord Jesus. 
He ridiculed him publicly, violently, and made those who went to his church's life a misery. One day, Peter Miller found out that this man who hated him had been found guilty of treason and was sentenced to death. As soon as Peter Miller heard of the sentence, he headed on his way to plead for the life of this man before George Washington. The general listened to his plea, but then said, I don't think it's right that I pardon your friend. To which Peter Miller said, my friend? He's not my friend, he's my arch enemy. What, says Washington, if you've walked 60 miles to plead for mercy for your enemy, well, that, in my judgment, puts it in a different light. I will grant you your request. And with pardon in hand, Miller pegged it back to try to save the life of this man, who, as he arrived in town, was being walked onto the scaffold, about to be hanged. When his traitor saw Miller, he exclaimed, Old Peter Miller has come here to have his revenge by watching me hang. But then, in astounding sense, saw Peter Miller make his way through the crowd to the scaffold with pardon in hand. The man was released and spared his life. Isn't that an amazing story? That blow you away. What love. And it is the tiniest echo of what God has done for you. The tiniest echo. The 60 miles that Peter Miller travelled is nothing compared to the distance the Lord Jesus travelled as he left heaven, was born into abject poverty, as he lived here on earth, to the shame of scandal as he was hung upon a cross to die as a scoundrel. The hostility that Peter Miller faced is nothing to the hostility that we have shown God. And yet out of his love, God says to you and I, I will send my son. And Jesus says, I will go and die for our enemies to make them our friends. What love. Father, son, but also the spirit is in on the act, isn't he? That's what verse five is saying. Because God's spirit takes the love of God, acted out in history, securing forgiveness for eternity, and he knits it to our hearts. So that we don't just sit there going, well, I understand what Jesus has done for me. We do. But we say, I love it and I feel it. And it makes us want to sing when we're allowed to sing. And when we sing, we don't simply express the truth that the words espouse. We feel the reality that stands behind them in our hearts. Amazing love. How can it be? that thou, my God, shouldst die for me. And many of us who sat here and who are watching online will go, I know what that feels like. Isn't that amazing that God wants you to feel how much he loves for you? And his spirit is at work bringing that about. It pains me that we cannot sing of it together. You can sing of it at home. And it's just the best way of expressing our gratitude for what God has done. What steak and cake on your plate while you wait, God is working to help you know and feel that he loves you. You might be sat there thinking, you know, I've experienced that in the past, but I cannot remember the last time that the love of God moved me here. Can I urge you, please, to not rest on your laurels, but to plead with God, please help me feel and know your love for me. 
and gaze at what Jesus has done for you on the cross. Memorize Romans 5, 8 and 9 and pray, Lord, would you help me love this truth? Uh, Sure enough, all of us will feel and express those feelings differently. But I think we each know what it means to feel and not to feel. Or maybe you're sat here today or watching it online and you say, well, I've never felt this, ever. Again, can I urge you to plead with God for help, to feel it, to love it. Because if you never are moved by what Jesus has done, the question hangs whether you're really trusting him. I would urge you to put your faith in him so that this steak and cake can be yours today. Those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus have God at work helping them feel and love his love for them. What steak and cake is on your plate? Two final headings, and these are really quick, and I mean really quick. Certainty about the future. Certainty about the future. That's what verses 9 and 10 talk of. Time doesn't allow me to look at these verses in depth. They're awesome. You can do that this afternoon. But the big idea of these verses is pretty simple. And it is simply this. God has already done the really, really, really hard bit. What lies ahead of him is the easy bit. If he's done the hard bit, you can trust him to do the easy bit. Okay, verses 9 and 10 say that pretty much the same thing in different ways. So look down to verse 9. Since we have been justified by his blood, as in declared in the right from being God's enemies, hard part, we've done nothing to merit it. We stood as God's enemies, hard part, done. Since we have been justified in the past, in the future, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? As we look to the future, now we're God's friends, can he take us home for tea? You bet. He's done the hard part. We can trust him for the easy part. Even as we blow it today, tomorrow, the next day, God doesn't look at you as an enemy. He looks at you as a friend. He loves you. He's made that plain. He's done the hard part. You can trust him for the easy part. Glorious. How much more? How much more will we be saved from God's wrath through Jesus? the steak and cake on your plate certainty in the present god's gonna take you home final heading told you they're short is this joy in the present joy in the present having looked at his plate and as as paul takes stock of all that he's told us about how does he end we'll look at verse 11 not only is this so But we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Paul responds by boasting, by going, look how good God is to me and to us. He lives a life of joy that enables him to deal with suffering and struggles, with heartbreak and pain, because he sees that all that God has put on his plate. He's not disgruntled about what God hasn't given him, because he knows that his plate is more than full to overflowing. And if we can grasp how much God has given us, not only in the future, but here in the present, it will make all the world of difference to us. We will stand out from the crowds as people who are deeply joyful and whose joy cannot be knocked sideways 
because of all that Jesus has done. May we today be able to take stock of all that God has put on our plate. May we have deep gratitude and unwavering joy for all that he has done. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we want to thank you so much that you grant to us amazing blessings in the present. We want to thank you so much for all that we have seen here. None of it deserved, yet wonderfully freely given. We praise and thank you for all that you've granted to us. Peace with you. Grace to enable us to stand. A certain hope. Enjoyment of your love. Joy in the present, certainty about the future, how good you are to us. Might this help us deal with things that frustrate and pain us? Might it enable us to be quick to turn to you and to plead for your mercy? These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to um, listen to a song now um, to help us respond um, that looks and says, When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, God's God taught us to say, it's well with my soul because of what Jesus has done and has won. If you'd like to hum along to this tune, then feel free. If you find yourself starting to sing, do stop. We'll need to stop the tune for everyone. And let's worship God as we listen, as we hum. Now, whilst we're working out some technical difficulties, let me just share some of the notices that are, that are coming up in the, the week ahead. Um, Thomas has told us of one of the natural responses to the grace of God is that we want to sing. Um, well, we're not allowed to sing right now. Um, we'll see what happens. But uh, there's a playlist uh, which we put together on YouTube uh, for this morning and this evening. And instead of actually just saying, well, why don't you? In fact, this would be a natural application of what we just heard. To go and listen to that today and sing aloud uh, on those playlists. Another thing to note today, uh, which is different, uh, is that tonight, uh, instead of having our services ju just online, we are in the building. We are back in the building and live streaming. So that's the plan. I'll be preaching uh, on 1 Samuel chapter 20, uh, talking about the friendship of, of Jonathan and David and the friendship we have in Christ. When
Well, each week as we've met and we felt the, the kind of frustrations of not being able to all meet together in the building. Uh, we've not been able to mingle all together as we would like to, even if we are in the building. We've been asking members of the church just to share a little bit of, about how they found the last few months, uh, what they've enjoyed, what they found hard and how we can pray for them. Uh, so I visited Anne Cordy uh, just over a week ago. Anne's about to share for us now. And then after that, Jane and Paul will come and lead us in prayer for her and for various other things. Well, I'm here with Anne, and uh, I'm very grateful to her for inviting me over for a cup of tea and a chocolate finger. Yeah. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit from Anne about um, what she's been doing in lockdown and what you've enjoyed about it, especially. Um, so, Anne, do you want to start us off by telling us some of the things that you've really enjoyed uh, during lockdown? Yes, I, I think it's been, um, for want of a better word, quite interesting. Um, we've had chance to really take stock of perhaps everything the Lord has given us, um, that perhaps sometimes we've uh, not been um, always fully aware of. Um, very grateful for the lovely weather that we've enjoyed yeah, in lockdown yeah, yeah. and uh, also for the fact that we've got a, a garden in which to, to go in and enjoy. Which uh, your husband was just talking about earlier. Uh, he should see mine. Yours is very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we, we try. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yes, and I, I think... Uh, to be very aware that, uh, you know, we have so much to be thankful for. Um, we've enjoyed um, catching up on reading certain books that perhaps we've put to one side and haven't managed to um, necessarily um, look at in depth. Um, I think one of the, uh, the best parts of it was the um, easing of lockdown, which enabled us then to catch up with our family and friends. Um, obviously socially distancing yeah. um, several but, trips uh, to the caravan several had. trips yeah. to the caravan we've had and there again we've been very blessed in having that because we've been able to uh, take mum with us and uh, she'll shield her there as well and she's enjoyed the changes of scene uh, lovely to be by the water yeah. and enjoying nature in general yeah. uh, down there as well so yes lots to be thankful for great so you've obviously had a, a good time in some ways obviously with restrictions um, permitting um <laughs> how has god encouraged you during this time uh, what particularly has he said to you or encouraged you with well i think the encouragement has come so much from the online services that we've enjoyed from the uh, church and we thank you all very much for all, all the time and effort that you've put in for that um and it's been an encouragement uh, for mum and I to be able to um, do church together, which we haven't done for some while. Uh, I think as well we have um, the facility of hearing from um, prayer partners. Um, I did hear from uh, one of my special uh, friends the other day, and she gave me um, Isaiah 41, verse 10, uh, which is an encouragement to continue to hold fast to the Lord. And so that, uh, read it for us? Sure, it yes, I, I have it got, got it here. Um, and it, uh, it, it's just uh, reiterating, um, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I think that says it all, really. Yeah, um, right, yeah. uh, and it's something to continue to focus on and to draw strength from um, in God's word. And 
Yeah. Great. So encouragement from God's word and from God's people. Which yes. Is great. Yes. Um, we'd love to pray for you. And we're going to do that uh, as a church in a moment. Uh, what could we pray for you and the family in particular over the next few months? Well, I think if we may uh, continue to pray for health and strength and obviously protection against uh, the virus, um, obviously not just for ourselves, but the wider church family. And uh, we've been very blessed that we've been able to keep well. And uh, long may that continue, <laughs> please. Great. Well, great. it's been a pleasure to be with you. We're Thank going to pray you. for you in a moment. Thank so you. thanks very much for having us. We'll say bye for now. Bye, bye, bye. everybody. Bye. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the privilege of coming to you and we can know that you love us and care for us. Lord, we just thank you that we've heard from Anne and about her lockdown experiences and, um, and Lord, how you've encouraged her and blessed her and her family. Lord, we just pray that you will just continue to be with them and give them good continued health and strength and protection indeed and lord we just pray that you'll protect us all in um, your family whether it's in church or outside of church lord we just pray that you will just keep us safe and bless us and and protect us and lord we just thank you for the blessings that you give us amen father god we do pray for our government today lord we think of the decisions they have to make daily on the uh, different lockdowns and the different policies. Father, we pray that for any Christians that are involved in those discussions, that their voice will be heard. And that, Lord, in the future, we can keep the churches open. And that, Lord, the letter that was sent on behalf of the churches will be listened to. Lord, we do, again, praise you and thank you for us being able to meet like this. We pray for those at home listening in and for us here today that we have uh, a great, wonderful God who cares for us and loves for us. And that, Lord, you love us so much. And that, Father, we uh, just pray that you'll be with us in the future week as well, Lord, that uh, you'll help us to shine for you, let people see you shining through us. And, Lord, what a joy it is to hear the children today. Father, we thank you for the young people that come this morning for both sessions. We thank you for the youth workers that are working with the children. And Lord, may each and every one of those children come to know you as their personal saviour in the future. Amen. Well, before we say goodbye to you online and before I give us in some instructions about uh, our safe departure, uh, I was reminded as Tom um, was speaking of these words from Galatians chapter 2, where Paul says, The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray that that would be our experience, that we'd be able to say that with Paul this week. Let's pray. Our Father, we are just grateful for the, the gift of your Son, as he laid his life down for us. But we thank you for the gift of the Spirit inside us who proves this to us, who points it out, who pours out your love in our lives. We pray that like Paul this week, we might be able to say that I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Pray that we would know that, experience that, and enjoy that this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, that's a goodbye from us online. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. We hope you can join us next week.